You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour. I am your host, Trish McFarlane, and I am very excited for this episode today. It's been a while since I've done one uh, just hosting by myself. Our co-host, Steve Bowes, is off on assignment, actually, as we speak. So today it will be me um, covering a topic that I'm very, very passionate about, and I know a lot of listeners are as well. It's on the root of the productivity gap. And While productivity has been a topic that's been talked about for many, many years, um, there are some some solutions out there right now that are really addressing this. And so we're going to dive in deep on that today. But before we get to that, I want to just take a moment to do a couple of updates for the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network. We have so many new shows that are hitting each week. We're having two to three shows a week now. So be sure to check out the the feed and subscribe to that. If you haven't, we're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, CastBox, or anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Just look for HR Happy Hour. And the most recent show actually to look for is one we've done with Philip Morris, and it was on diversity and inclusion. So again, diversity has been a big topic, but inclusion lately has been even more so. So there's a a really good show out there that Steve Bowes recorded um, just a couple days ago to be looking for. We're also continuing to book shows for 2019. So if you have an idea or a topic or a guest that you'd like to have on the show, please tweet us at HR Happy Hour or send an email to me at trish at h3hr.com. And don't forget, we're also on Alexa. So if you have an Echo device and you would like to add us to your flash briefing, just search for the HR Happy Hour skill on your Alexa app and you can listen to us every single morning. And last but not least, we have the HR Tech Conference, which is coming up. So if you are interested in getting a discount for that, which I know many of our listeners attend that event every year, you can go to hrtechconference.com and use the code STEVE300 and receive $300 off of your registration. So now with that, I I have a great guest waiting in the wings. I'd like to bring on George Michaels, who is a division vice president at ADP. And he's also going to really help us dive into this topic of productivity and what we can be doing different. So George, welcome to the HR Happy Hour. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Excited to be on with you. Good. Well, I know it's... uh, it's always fun to talk about productivity, at least if you're someone like me, and I know it's something you're pretty passionate about too. So I think we'll have a good uh, a good next 20 or 30 minutes together. So George, why don't you, for anyone who maybe isn't connected with you already or familiar with you, why don't you just spend a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing at ADP? That sounds great, Trish. Thanks again for having me on. Happy to. So I've been with ADP for about 14 years, uh, so a good amount of time at the organization, and I'm currently in a role where I work for ADP Major Accounts. So ADP Major Accounts is our business unit that really focuses on the mid-market space. So we live in a world where we partner with companies between approximately 50 and 1,000 employees, 
And in that space, I do a number of things. I lead our external channel organization. So I'm responsible for all of our external channel partnerships with uh, groups like CPAs, private equity firms, benefit brokers, uh, ERP and VAR partners. And then in addition to that external channel strategy, I lead go to market for a number of different solutions at ADP, uh, one of which I think we'll go deep into today, uh, but I'm responsible for you know, really taking new ADP products uh, to market for the organization. So exciting times at the company, and I'm lucky to be in a role uh, where you know I'm uh, sort of digging into the forefront of new technologies and new solutions that uh, we're bringing to our customers. Well, thank you. You know what I think is most interesting about your role and maybe something that listeners um, haven't really thought much about is, you know, ADP is sort of, you know, known widely for payroll, but it's, you know, you have so many other types of individuals and organizations you're partnering with. And so I think that's fascinating to sort of hear that that's that's something that's very important to ADP as well, right? Having those other partnerships. Um, You mentioned CPAs, for example. Um, I know there's a lot going on beyond just what you know, maybe uh, an HR practitioner would know about, um, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I would tell you it's the lifeblood of our business when we think about the way that we are uh, growing our organization. We know that we can't go at it alone. So we're ensuring that we have the right strategic partners sort of marching arm in arm with us. And, you know, the three or four community partners that I mentioned are really just uh, sort of the surface of what we're doing. It's very important to the business. And, you made another interesting comment, Trish, but it's one we hear often, you know, ADP is really known for payroll and uh, we work very hard to do a few things over the course of the past few years. And I think one of which is really rebrand ourselves from being known as a payroll company to being a full service cloud-based global HCM provider. Uh, so we sort of put that stake in the ground. It might be seven or eight years ago to say, hey, we are making this transition from being a payroll organization to being this leading HCM provider internationally. And I think most recently we've continued that evolution as we've transitioned from being, you know, an HCM organization that was heavily service focused and had technology platforms to being a true technology company. And I think uh, the market and many of your listeners should see a lot of that reflected in a new branding campaign, not campaign, I should say, uh, but really in a rebranding effort uh, that ADP just launched. So if you haven't seen, call it the new ADP brand just yet, uh, toward the end of this month, you should see it broadcast pretty, pretty loudly. But we, uh, we launched in a big way just this past weekend at South by Southwest. So when we think about that evolution of ADP, uh, moving from being a payroll company to an HCM company to a true cloud-based technology player, I think uh, I think the market will really get grounded in that with this new brand effort. So excited, uh, excited to hear your reaction once once you get your eyes on it. You know, it's funny you say that. I, I actually got to see it this past Friday and it's it's really unique. It's really different. It's really modern. I will say, too, I think, you know, having been in HR for most of my career, um, it's one thing to have, you know, ADP is really a, a trusted source and trusted advisor for payroll and having been, um, you know, really expanding that, that footprint into to full HCM over the last few years. I think that's where if I'm a practitioner, you know, listening in on the show, that's where I'm going to want to dig in and find out more information because you really want to work with people that you already trust. And so it's, it's good to take that time and take a moment. So 
you know, for listeners there, that's, that's another reason to check it out and check out the new uh, sort of rebranded ADP, as you said. So for today, though, um, you know, we wanted to really talk about productivity because I know, especially not just for human resources leaders, but for, for business leaders in general, right? It's, it's an issue that's been, you know, talked about for so many years and lots of different tactics on how to handle very specific aspects of it. But one of the things that, um, that prompted this show was you and I were having a conversation about some of the things that ADP was specifically doing, finding very interesting in, in sort of sussing out those key things that contribute to productivity, either being high or low or, you know, um, wherever it is on the spectrum. So can you maybe share with us a little bit about what you've been working on, um, you and your team, and what really prompted ADP to kind of take a different look at productivity than maybe other people have done in the past? Absolutely. Uh, I think what prompted us and sort of the origin of what we'll talk about today is, is interesting. And it's something that we've spent a lot of time digging into, but what really prompted us to dig into this issue of, you know, what we would call the productivity gap, not that we've coined the phrase, I know it's widely used, is this concept that technology is advancing at an unprecedented rate. You know that as well as anyone, but right. we have incredible technology uh, that's being developed and then enhanced day in and day out. And if we isolate the HCM space in particular, you know, we can look at call it the continuum of HCM from recruitment into payroll, into HCM and HR function, to talent, so on and so forth. And I think within each of those functions along the continuum of HR, I mean, you're really seeing incredible technology that's aimed at driving productivity for organizations. And you're seeing this technology again, developed and enhanced and developed and enhanced, yet productivity itself is not increasing. When we take a look, you know, at our economy and you take a look at different economic indicators, whether it be real GDP or others, we're not seeing productivity advance at the rate uh, that technology is. And a lot of this was grounded in some research that Deloitte had done and published very broadly. I think they captured this problem uh, really well. And after Deloitte captured the problem, we decided that we wanted to dig into it in a substantial way. So we did uh, research with McKinsey, that uh, was very extensive and, you know, focused on our customers, customers of other HCM providers and the technology that they were using, the rate at which they were changing their technology in order to capture new gains, and then the gains that they were actually capturing. And it not only validated this productivity gap, but it really validated this, call it inherent dissatisfaction with the gains that organizations were able to achieve through adopting these new advanced technologies. So I think the research from Deloitte, the research we did with McKinsey really prompted us to then go and speak to our customers and our prospects, non-customers of ADP. And we did our own sort of extensive research and held focus groups. And we not only validated the fact that there is this gap between technological advancement and productivity gains, but I think we started to uncover why we believe uh, that exists. So really interesting process, something that our organization really rallied around first understanding uh, before we you know, got to any type of a solution. Uh, but you know, after really working to do deep research, you know, we decided that this was something that was critical uh, that we want to tackle uh, for our customers and future customers of ADP. 
Well, you know why I think that's most interesting when I heard you talking about it originally was that if I kind of put the HR hat back on and I think back to many times where I've bought technologies of varying sizes over the years and implemented them. And, and like you said, you know, you sort of get to the end of it and it, it may not really improve anyone's productivity at all, you know, depending on what you've bought. But I think as an individual HR leader and you're, you're trying to figure out in your own organization, what in the world didn't work right, right? What was it that contributed or didn't contribute? So you know, as an HR leader, you don't even have time to really go back and figure that out. What I love is that that you and your team there at ADP, that you all have done that, right? For what, whether it's for your existing customers, or like you said, even, you know, people who aren't customers yet, um, you've kind of taken that time that maybe an HR leader doesn't have to dig in. So, you know, one of the first ones um, that that we talked about that you found was sort of this issue around data. Um and it, it's a little bit of a mix of sort of lack of historical data, or it might be, you know, not having the right data available. So can you maybe talk a little bit about just, you know, as you as you started uncovering some of these different, um, you know, contributors, data being a huge one, what is it that you found um, when you really started looking at data that was kind of hindering this, this productivity within organizations? Yeah, it's uh, so important, and I'll dig into it in detail. However, you struck a chord just in your recent comment, uh, sort of at the beginning of your question, and I just want to address it because I agree with you in a in a big way. So, yeah, I like yeah, people part of, part of <laughs> I try, I, I you know I, I try, I try, but no, it was uh, it was uh, no really important. So you talked about the HR practitioner and where they live in this uh, sort of world of productivity and the productivity gap. And what we found, you know, as we did our own research is that the HR practitioners that are purchasing HCM technology today are purchasing with really incredible intent. Uh, Very different from, you know, if we go 10 years back, simply purchasing HR technology to drive efficiencies within an organization or to reduce administrative work. And HR practitioners are purchasing HR technology today with the intent to attract better talent into their organizations, drive that talent forward once they're there, retain their people. So they're buying with this incredible intent. And then you said it well, there, there can be this regret at the end of the process, right? There's this regret that they weren't able to achieve what they intended to. And when you think about it, if you weren't able to achieve reducing administrative tasks, uh, while the regret can, regret can be substantial, it's far more important when you know your intent is to actually make your people better, right? And make your people more productive. And then when you're not able to accomplish that, I mean, that regret can really be substantial and the negative impact of the organization uh, can be a big one. So again, it just further validated the importance of this issue and that, uh, and that we tackle it. So I'm sorry, I know you asked about data, but I couldn't help. No, no, that's a great point. It's it's such an important role. And and I think that says something too, just about the amount of education that, you know, vendors like yourself have really been doing with thought leadership over the years to make HR leaders understand that they are very important buyers and their reasoning is very important. And that is different from 10 years ago when I was a buyer. It didn't feel like that then. So that's right. right. Great point. All right. Data. Data. So when we think, yes, yes, let's dig into it. So when we talk about you know, the powerful HCM systems that you know, users are 
uh, purchasing and implementing within their organizations today, the capabilities of those systems, I mean, are incredible. And whether you're buying a best of breed benefits administration system or a fully integrated HR payroll benefits and time platform, uh, the importance of the data that you bring into that technology at the time you implement it is critical. And what we found is that in many engagements, uh, not only with ADP, but with you know, many other vendors in the HCM space, as these technologies are implemented, companies were not bringing over the data that's actually required to make the systems work. And when I say uh, companies weren't bringing those things over, you know, this is really pointing the thumb and not the finger. It's the HCM vendors weren't, I would say, being responsible enough or taking enough care in terms of both the type of data that they were bringing into uh, someone's newly implemented HCM technology or the amount of history, right? Sort of the length of history of that data that they were bringing into the system. So if you think about it really simply, right? So if we sort of break down all of the mysteries around big data, if someone's moving forward with an integrated HCM technology suite, payroll, HR benefits, time, uh, talent, they would likely want to leverage that technology for not only benefits administration, but to do something as simple as complete their ACA filings. Right. In order to complete your ACA filings, you need seven years of historical data. So you need seven years of historical data imported into your technology in order to complete those ACA filings. And what we were finding is that vendors were often only bringing in, call it year-to-date data or one year of history. So these you know, companies who would move forward with this HCM technology with the intent to complete ACA filings then find that they're not actually able to leverage the system because they didn't have the right data or the right amount of history uh, in their technology. So something so simple, right, that's right in front of us uh, that needed to be addressed. So that's one example. Uh, you know, one other, you know, companies are moving forward with technology to obviously drive the talent at their organization to be more productive as we've referenced. And they're leveraging that technology for goal setting and performance reviews or you know, engagement pulses. And when you think about something as simple as a leader at an organization sitting down with an associate to work through a performance review, if they don't have performance history or position history or pay rate history in their HCM technology, you know, how can they have an impactful conversation and again, we found that to be a big gap in data that was not brought into, uh, into these systems at the time they were implemented. So, I mean, that was really what we found around data and history. Uh, I know it's a long-winded answer, but there's a lot there. Does that help? No, and I think your examples are, are very good because, I mean, I'm sitting there as you were, especially the first example, I was nodding my head because, you know, as HR leaders, we weren't really taught, you know, uh, even if you went to and got a master's in HR or something, you're not taught how to how to purchase these systems, right? Or what, what information to even include. And so sometimes getting bad advice, I mean, I'm shaking my head because I've been that person who's sort of started at day one with that solution and not had the historical data. And what turns out is something that could be very easy and, and you know, reported upon if you have that seven years of data, you know, brought forward. Um, if you don't, or if you think it's too expensive or too challenging or you don't even think of it, 
you wind up having, you know, I would have team members on my team spend six, seven, eight hours creating pivot tables out of old reports and old archive systems to try and bridge the two together. And that defeats the whole purpose, right? It goes back to that productivity. You've now taken a system that should be helping everyone, you know, do these things in mere minutes. And you're now talking about days again to just get simple, you know, reporting. So it, I don't know if, if for no other reason, um, than that one example, I thought that was why it's so important for HR leaders to really understand, you know, it's not about, it's not about just big data too. I think that there's a misconception there, like just put everything in, right? No, you want it to be the right, the right data. And, and I thought the second example also sort of illustrated that knowing specifically which compensation data or, you know, historical, you know, personnel data would be applicable to making decisions going forward. That's the kind of information that you want to make sure that you're thinking about if you're, you know, if you're an HR leader buying a system right now. You're right. You're right. And I think, you know, the realization that we had in going through all of this is these are things that should just be table stakes. I mean, this should be absolute table stakes, right? In terms of implementing one of these pieces of technology. And what we were finding is that either wasn't happening at all, or if it was happening, it was this big buy up where, you know, we were charging or companies were charging for, you know, your history to be imported and every year cost this or every data point cost this. And, you know, it's one of those hidden fees in this world that uh, we, I don't, we just didn't think was right. Uh, you know, once we really understood it. So it's a, it's a big one. Yeah. It's a big hidden fee for sure. And I can tell you, that's why a lot of, you know, a lot of leaders don't do it. Um, so, well, that leads us into kind of the second one, obviously, you know, um, there, there was talk around, you know, sort of customization when you're, when you're buying a system, can you maybe touch a little bit on that? And, you know, business leaders might find that confusing. You know, you hear a lot of words around, you know, is something either customized, is it configured? Is it, you know, if, if you're, if you're a buyer right now, what is it that you should know about, you know, a system and having it customized to your needs? What What's the most important thing they should be knowing? I think the most important thing, I was going to isolate the most important thing that buyers should understand as it relates to customization is that HR technology is no longer being built for the HR practitioner alone. HR technology is being built for the HR, you know, department within an organization, but also the leaders within a business and then the employees of that organization. So when you deploy that technology, it needs to be customized to meet the needs of different users within your business and not just the HR practitioner. And I really do think that that's been a major, major shift in the HCM technology space. We have so much functionality that employees can take advantage of, that managers can take advantage of, yet we deploy these technologies with the HR practitioner in mind rather than the entire organization. So when you implement, I mean, does that resonate? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, that makes it a harder sell for the HR leader anyway to get the, you know, the rest in the C-suite to buy onto it. Because, you know, if it's just to make HR's job easier, I mean, that's great. <laughs> but, it, it. you know, it, it, they didn't, at least I, when I was doing it, I didn't necessarily feel like I had the um, the ability to articulate to the C-suite exactly why it would benefit an entire organization versus why it would benefit me and my team. So And I think people are getting it now. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, But I think people are getting it now, right? The C-suite is understanding the benefit to the entire organization. So 
it's important that when you, again, deploy this tech at your company that it's customized to each of the different personas that are going to be taking advantage of it. And that can be as basic as setting up uh, users and security and provisioning in a very customized way uh, at the outset of your technology engagement, all the way to ensuring that the employee portal that is going to serve as this communication tool with your people is customized in the way that it should be, or that you know, all of your employees are going to have the ability to get into you know, the mobile technology that comes along with that HCM suite. We need to ensure that our managers have customized views where they're actually able to go into the technology and do the work that they need to, whether it be approving time cards, reviewing performance, uh, so on and so forth. So again, historically, I think these systems were built and customized for HR. And now the customization work that needs to be done needs to be done across all of these different users. And you know, HCM vendors can't leave it to the buyer to do that customization. Again, there's a responsibility that we need to take on to ensure that we're customizing for these different personas so that they can actually utilize the tech. I think that's one of the big keys as it relates to productivity in general. Uh, when we don't import the right amount of data or the right data, when we don't customize the tech, it just mm -hmm. doesn't get utilized, right? And that's where the productivity gap really comes into play. You're right. And you know what? Honestly, we could do a whole show or a series of shows just on you know, user adoption, but you're just scratching the surface. So definitely right. very, very important. Um, one of the things that also contributes to not having a utilized system, of course, is training. And I can tell you, I've bought many, many technologies over the years. Some had training, some didn't have training, some had, you know, minimal training, self-instructed, whatever. Can you talk a little bit about that as a factor? Because I know, you know, training it comes in varying levels um, for the various personas. Can you talk about maybe the importance of how having training that is actually used and participated in can really drive that successful change within a company? Absolutely. So I think first and foremost, what we learned is that training needs to be flexible uh, in order to actually get users into the system, understanding how to leverage it to accomplish what they intended to when they move forward with it. You have to meet the user where they are from a training perspective. Uh, I think no one would argue with the fact that, hey, you know, technology is going to be utilized, better leveraged, and uh, utilized correctly if someone's actually trained on how to, right, and what is possible within that tech. So, you know, I think you find it hard to, to argue with that statement, but actually accomplishing uh, what you want via training is tough. And it's tough because you have practitioners with different levels of expertise. And then you have, as I referenced, employees and managers at these organizations now who need to understand these systems. So certain practitioners may need someone from an ADP or their HCM vendor to be on site for a day, training them on their technology with their data in the technology whereas others might want you know, a series of, call it more flexible virtual sessions. So first, I think we need to be flexible in terms of the training we deliver based on the unique needs of the customer. And then from there, similar to the customization comment, Trish, we have to not solely live in this train the trainer world. I think the onus really needs to be on us to provide training for employees and for administrators. You know, we need to be in this system with them, showing them how to enroll in their benefits or punch their time card 
or how to complete their weekly check-in with their leader and then teaching the leader how to view their team's weekly check-ins and what that actually means uh, for them and the engagement of their organization. So I think flexibility is key. Quite often on-site is necessary. And then providing training for the different users directly and not simply living in this train-the-trainer world. I think uh, those are the things that we've really found to be important. And our customers were incredibly vocal on this topic. So there was no shortage of feedback for us. You know, I'm I'm actually really happily surprised that that turned into a focus um, for you all because, you know, again, this idea that I think one of the the key things I had heard for years was, you know, it it should be intuitive. No one should have to go through training, right? You should just the system should mm-hmm. be so easy. Everyone would just understand how to use it, right? It looked like if everything looks like Facebook, we'll all know what to do. Um, sure. that's, that's great in theory, right? But in in practicality, it just doesn't work. It's, it's not, you know, I think also getting that training commitment at the very beginning of the process is also critical. So again, if you're an HR leader, you're thinking about getting a system, start talking about training day one with your leaders, with the stakeholders in the various departments, whatever, because I think that training always came up at the very end, if at all. And then it's sort of too late. No one, you know, we all think we're so busy. We all think we don't have time to be trained. I'll give you an example. I just got a new uh, a new MacBook Pro. I hadn't upgraded okay. in like five years and mine was dying. Now, I'm definitely the person who, you know, I never go through any kind of online tutorials or anything, right? I'm just going to mm-hmm. plug it in. Away we go. It is so different from the version five years ago that I literally sure. went through the training. I spent maybe 15 minutes going through training and it helped so much. It, I can do things on it that I never anticipated. And I think that it's the same with HCM technology right? You don't even realize what you have at your fingertips if you're not going through some sort of training for it in whatever format that comes. But you have to have it's a such, it's such a great, It's such a great comparison, such a great analogy, because if there's any technology that's supposed to be simple and intuitive, right, it's the technology that Apple's bringing to the fold. Right. Uh, but to your <laughs> point, it's also powerful, right? It's powerful and it can do so much. And without some direction and guidance, it's just tough to, uh, it's tough to, you know, fully leverage it. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. It, makes, it makes a lot of sense. Exactly. Well, you know what, before we wrap up, I know there's at least one more that, that I wanted to hit on. Um, and I, I think that it's, it's around, you know, I, I'm thinking back through my times too. I sometimes, you know, you buy technology and you just don't feel like you have support. Now you mentioned even within the training umbrella of, you know, being able to have someone on site, which is very important. Um, can you expand that out a little bit and talk talk about kind of what you found around feeling supported? Because one of the the scariest things about being a buyer I found was I, I didn't I either didn't have someone to turn to sometimes, or if I did, I was embarrassed. Maybe I felt like, oh my gosh, I should know this, so then I wouldn't reach out. Can you talk a little bit about you know, what you learned around kind of that that level of support that that leaders need, both HR and business Definitely. leaders need? Definitely, definitely. I think we found that there are two different levels of support that our clients and prospective clients need. And, you know, this came directly from them. First, they do want the tech to be intuitive enough and to be self-service oriented so that they don't need to call us for very simple or basic questions. They want to be able to figure that out on their own. But they do want to be able to talk to someone at the organization who knows them 
and can help them leverage the technology to its fullest extent. So they want someone who can provide more insight as to how they can leverage the tech to accomplish what they intended to when they moved forward uh, with us. And what we heard loud and clear is the, I want someone who knows me, I want the same person. So I think we've all seen service, you know, at different organizations go through different iterations, but I think the, uh, the familiarity was huge, right? Someone that they could turn to, that they trusted, uh, you know, they want to talk to the same person every time they call us. Uh, so we took that seriously and we've been on a journey, you know, I know we're ADP and we're a big company with a lot of clients, but we've really been on a journey where for the right client, uh, we want to feel as small as possible and provide them with that, you know, very sort of close trusted advisor type of support. So I think that was number one in terms of support. They want, you know, that dedicated point of contact, someone who knows me, who can actually help me get the most out of my tool. And then number two, you kind of hit on um, when you were talking about training, but people want best practices. They want to know, okay, I have a new technology. When should I start talking to my organization about training? And what are the steps that I need to take in order to ensure that I have a successful training program. And training is one example of someone move forward with uh, an engagement tool for the first time, right? We're shifting from our traditional, call it uh, annual survey, and we want to take the engagement pulse of our organization on a regular basis, the best practices associated with that change management and how to implement something new, uh, both in the technology, but then outside of the technology in their organization, was something that people were asking for. So they were really saying, hey, provide me with best practices uh, that are going to help me get the most out of this system. So those were the two things that we heard uh, that we reacted to uh, from you know, sort of that ongoing support perspective. Well, I think that those are incredibly important. Like you said, it's um, when I'm thinking back to one of the things I would also recommend you know, to people is especially with regard to having a, a point of contact that, that knows you and that you know, um, it's okay if you happen to get someone that you're not connecting with very well to just ask for a different person. Because right. what I've seen even more and more lately, people will say, oh, I want to get rid of my, you know, my provider. And I said, well, what's the problem? Oh, I can't stand, you know, my account rep. I can't stand this person or that person. And I'm like, it's okay to ask for someone else. Don't ditch your whole technology because of one person, right? Um, I think that that relationship is so important and in, in building that trust is so important. But again, a, a lot of a lot of solutions don't offer sort of that that relationship ability. And so you are maybe just calling in a one eight hundred number or something and you're getting a different person every time and you're never gonna have that. So also just a very important thing to you know, all of these points as you're as you're making a buying decision, um, definitely these are important to think about as you're you're kind of going forward and making sure you're you're feeling comfortable with all those different aspects. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, George, thank you for spending time with me today talking about productivity and all of the different things that uh, that you all were finding in terms of your research that, you know, kind of helps bring these together for either your existing customers or for even, you know, potential customers in the future. Um, I'm definitely going to be sharing all of the uh, links to ADP Advantage. Um, any of the resources or additional information will all be in the show notes for our listeners. Um, but as far as you, where, you know, if people want to connect with you and learn more, where can they go um, for questions 
Um, and just to find out more about ADP Advantage, what you all have, have done with the research and, and just how to move forward with you all. So uh, people can find me direct via email at george.michaels at adp.com. Uh, so it's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S. Uh, you can also learn more about us at adp.com slash advantage. Uh, and, you know, Trish, I think I'm realizing that you know, at the end of the call here, it's probably the first time that we're mentioning uh, ADP Advantage. So I might want to give a quick definition of what that is and what that means. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be brief. I know that we're at the end of our time here, but ADP Advantage is our reaction to everything that you and I just talked about for the past 30 minutes. So ADP did all of the research that I referenced, recognized this productivity gap. We believe it's driven by a lack of utilization and that lack of utilization uh, being a function of you know, improper data being loaded into a system, lack of customization, lack of training and improper ongoing support. So we basically said, we're building a program that is included with our HCM engagements. And this is really middle market focused, but each and every time an organization moves forward with our tech, as I said earlier, just as table stakes, not as you know a buy-up or some sort of a fee-based service. We're going to do the things that we have the responsibility to do to help someone utilize the tech, and that is importing history, providing training to the HR practitioner, employee, and manager, actually customizing the tech for our clients, and then providing resources for ongoing support and a dedicated account manager and then an HR consultant in tandem with uh, our partners at the Hackett Group who will provide those HR best practices. So for all clients that come on board with us, we are just sort of offering up this program as part of what we do so that you know, we're helping solve this productivity gap problem and not contributing to it going forward. So shameless plug, but I thought I would uh, make sure people know what we're referencing as far as ADP Advantage is concerned. No, thank you for sharing that. And, and also for the listeners, it's really important to know about some of the differentiators between vendors. This is a key differentiator. And it, from an analyst perspective, and you know, I meet with literally hundreds of companies every single year, everyone says they have differentiators and a lot of times they don't. This is one. This is a, a really unique approach. Um, and like I said earlier, when I think back to many of the the solutions I've bought over the years, had I had these sorts of things in place, I think the the end results would have been, you know, even better than than what was achieved. And that's really important both for the organization as a whole, but also for the HR leader who's sort of driving that change, right? It's a scary, scary position to be in when you're recommending, you know, um, big technology changes for your company. So Thank you so much, George, for explaining that and for just sharing your insight and, and the research that you all worked on. Um, it's been uh, an incredible amount of information that I know that the listeners are going to find really valuable as they start making their decisions or reevaluating the decisions maybe they've already made. Um, for everyone, please just remember to subscribe to the HR Happy Hour wherever you get your podcasts, as I mentioned at the top of the show. And again, feel free to reach out if you have any show ideas. You can find us on Twitter uh, or on Blog Talk Radio or iTunes or Stitcher Radio. So that's all for this episode of the HR Happy Hour. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.